Welcome to the Society for Education and Training podcast. SET is the membership body dedicated to professionals across further education, vocational teaching and training. We are part of the Education and Training Foundation, which campaigns to raise the status of your profession, champion the quality of professionals in the sector and provide access to the best teaching and training tools, research and expert views. I'm Simon Beer and I'm the Head of Service for Haringey Adult Learning Service, HALS for short. We're the Council Learning Service in the borough of Haringey for adults aged 19 plus. And we deliver a programme across five main areas, including ESOL, English for Second Language Learners, Functional Skills in English, Maths and IT, some vocational courses in areas like Business Administration and Counselling and Teaching as well. We have a family learning programme and we offer some wellbeing courses as well. Haringey is a kind of classic London borough. It's got a train track down the middle and broadly speaking to the west of the borough you've got areas of considerable affluence and to the east of the east of the train line areas of real disadvantage. And we focus nearly all our work in the east of the borough where we for example we've got one in 11 residents with no qualifications across the borough but uh, in some parts of the borough it's five times worse than in, in the more affluent areas. I think the, the, the main challenges for facilitating high quality provision for SEND learners are firstly resources um, we all know there's been considerable pressure on core budgets over the last 10 years. Um, SEND support can be costly also in staffing terms can be a casualty particularly in a small service like ours. Secondly I think there are considerable pressures on teaching staff and on their time these days and that can be a barrier um, it, it's a very fast moving area of work so keeping staff up to date can be a challenge thirdly i think if i'm honest i think insularity can be a challenge particularly in the last few years when as i said we've been under considerable resource pressure we don't always quickly pick up on work that's going on in other sectors so for example our focus which is on specific learning difficulties um, there's some really good work going on in other sectors like schools and in higher education we don't always share that we, we, we're missing track if we're not doing that. Um, I think there's a lack of collaboration in the sector sometimes, though I think that is changing and the work obviously that the foundation is doing is part of that. Um, and as we're London-based, it's really heartening to see one of the challenges we're getting from, um, from the GLA and from the London Mayor with adult education budget devolution coming up next year is exactly that towards more effective collaboration. We've used a lot of uh, materials and a lot of training events provided by the foundation over the last few years across a whole number of areas i mean particularly in government priority areas like maths and english and it's really heartening now that there's a really strong focus on inclusion coming out of the work in the foundation and uh, they've just launched a development program around sends that we've joined that we're part of and for us that's a fantastic way because we've identified send as our improvement priority this year to share our learning from that work with other providers and different types of providers as well across the sector. It's a very broad sector through that project. So that's fantastic for us.
I think, I mean, I think there has been limited uh, scope for learners to progress. And traditionally, it has to be said that too many employers and too many learning providers have taken a disability rather than a diversity perspective for learners with SEND. And, and that's really the key change that we're trying to start as a service. Um, so we're taking a neurodiversity approach. And that doesn't see a disability, it sees a normal human difference that should be respected in the same way as any other human difference would, as, for example, colour of skin. I mean, that sounds very simple, but it's actually quite a profound attitudinal shift in the, in, in the way that you work with learners. And I think learners have experienced too often a tick box culture on their way into both employment and into learning. Uh, so, you know, here's a screening, here's a form, here's initial assessment, here's some reasonable adjustments that we have to make by law, here's a bit of software, here's a referral to something that might help you. And I'm not saying those things aren't important, but they're not, they're not enough and they can be experienced in a negative way and they can actually, if done badly, they can act as a barrier rather than um, as a tool for increasing progress and improving progress for us the, the the adults that we serve it is also massively about prior experience of learning so a lot of our adults with send are people in their 30s 40s and 50s who got through statutory education with a really negative experience they were late diagnosed with a learning difficulty or not diagnosed at all and uh, they've had years and years and years of being labelled, stigmatised, marginalised. They have a consequent fear of failure. They have consequent low self-esteem. Um, and they, they, they often have quite a lot of shame. There's some quite interesting research by uh, a psychologist called Dr. Kaufman who found that adults who can't read or have difficulties reading experience the same level of shame as someone who's committed incest, which is quite a shocking statistic. I'm not a psychologist, so I'm not sure exactly what the, what the mechanism for, levering, for measuring a level of shame is, but that... That's quite a stock, shocking statistic, and it's in line with our anecdotal experience of talking to learners about their prior experience. So overcoming that, raising self-confidence, raising self-esteem and, self and taking a, a strengths-based approach, seeing the strengths that people bring, not the problems, weaknesses, disabilities, is crucial, I think. I think one of the things that's changed uh, very recently actually isn't in the education sector, it's for employers. So I think um, one of the real positives at the moment is that barriers seem to be lifting in the workplace and that's fantastic. So for example, if you look at the recent guides that organisations like CIPD have produced on neurodiversity, they're, they're enormously positive and incredibly well-written and incredibly current. And that's, I think, in recognition of some really big and important employers who are now becoming much more open to recruiting learners with specific learning difficulties because they really genuinely recognise that if they're going to survive, if they're going to have the cutting edge in a given market, they need people who think differently. They really do. So that's a real positive opportunity, and I think that's a real recent and important change. I think some of the awareness in the sector as well, going back to the importance of taking a strengths-based approach, is people are now seeing the, the significant cognitive advantages that 
learners bring to some subject disciplines or to some vocational areas. So, for example, there's some really helpful research that shows that people with dyslexia, for example, genuinely thrive in four work sectors, which are, uh, from memory, entrepreneurship, um, engineering, architecture and the arts um, and that's tremendously important it's important for us as educators because it helps us plan learning and support learners but it's important for those learners as well it's important in challenging stigma i think some of the support the sector can do better is around awareness raising uh, there are any number of campaigns around this area that have been introduced recently we we can and should engage with them better and the best campaigning and awareness raising issues have at their center they have the lived experience of the learner and i think one of the things the sector can do better is simply listen to people with learning difficulties and learning disabilities and that's so important because first person perspectives can really show and illuminate the, 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 the lives of people who think differently. I think the sector can also get a lot better at thinking about its use of language. We know that we're a terrible sector for things like acronyms and educational jargon, and those things can be dehumanizing to learners with SEND. Language can be used to shame or empower in education. We really need to make sure that when we use language, it's for the latter. And we tend to use words uh, like impairment and condition that are incredibly loaded and are experienced as such by, by learners. I think simple language is important. Um, and I think going back to the point about listening, talking to people about their experience Recognising that everyone is different, so what works for you is crucial and it might not be what works for other. And I think whilst, you know, we have, for example, we have done quite a lot of staff CPD, we've done a lot of training, we try and encourage people to gen up on neurodiversity. When I talk about language, it isn't about an exercise in PC, it's about being able to talk in plain, simple English to your learner and use the words that they would use about themselves. I'd like to give you some examples of how the teaching staff at HALS are working to develop um, skills with SEND learners. We're doing a lot of the obvious stuff, like changing the way that in class we approach writing and uh, memory. So encouraging and sharing with learners different ways of planning. So, for example, showing them mind maps, showing them different ways of planning, and then encouraging them to work out what's best for them. Um, making sure that all this sounds straightforward stuff, but some of this support is really straightforward, but making sure that all learners do have a folder with specific contents pages and talking to them about colour coding. and It's good practice for all learners, but learners with SEND are much less likely to be able to organise themselves independently or autonomously, so making sure that that support in class is crucial. We have an open learning centre and we staff that both with specialist staff but also with volunteers and mentors, most of whom are learners or ex-learners themselves. And we find that learning from another person with a similar experience, with a similar background, is really, really powerful. So that one-to-one -one mentoring from someone else who's done your course and may have faced the same challenge because they might, for example, also be dyspractic, dyspraxic or have ADHD is really powerful. We encourage learning through different modalities, so we encourage our tutors 
not just to rely on presenting or communicating, for example, through text, but to look at how they can do that as well as learning opportunities through video, audio, graphic representation as well. Uh, and again, that's important because as well as working for learners with SEND, it's good, good practice for all learners. I think in, in summary, again, it comes down to encouraging tutors to take up a strengths-based approach in the classroom as much as possible. I think we could certainly use more CPD in this area, partly because, as I said earlier, this is a very fast-moving area of expertise. Um, I think there are things that we can do that are quite cheap or quite easy to do as well. One of the real problems with SEND is that it is very easy for it to become siloed. And in a small organisation like us, it's easy to appoint someone and leave it to one very hard-pressed send officer to take all the strain. And if you have a silo approach, that's never going to work, however good your send person is. So we set up informal groups and um, groups on apps, and we try to get staff to share as much as possible. But any CPD that, uh, that helps that on a sectoral basis or even a cross-sectoral basis, I think would be fantastic. I think as a sector, we need to understand people with specific learning difficulties a lot better. And there's a lot of ways of being able to do that. There, You can read books by them. There are any number of people with Twitter accounts and with, you know, signposted Twitter accounts so that you, you, you know what it is, what, what experience it is they're writing about. For example, last week, I was reading a, a, a blog called The Dyspraxic Doctor, and it's fantastic. It's a really, really interesting story of someone's working life as well as educational life with dyspraxia, someone who went to Oxbridge, trained to be a doctor, worked in the NHS, is now an independent consultant working in the field of dyspraxia. But her life story is really, really fascinating. So the more understanding that we can achieve through CPD, the better. And I think as well, CPD that encourages staff to set high expectations and also to work in partnership was um, to be welcomed. For more information and advice, blogs and articles, please visit the SET website at www.set.et-foundation.co.uk. You can also visit the Education and Training Foundation website at www.et-foundation.co.uk.